is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses who are ready to get spooky. That's Corinne. So spooky. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode where you, our haunted listeners, send us your ghost stories or weird, creepy stories and we read them back to you because why not? Why wouldn't we? Yeah. It's the best. Okay. Before we get into this freaky deaky stories that you send us, we have to say thank you to our Patreon donors. This episode would not be possible without our overactive sagers and our ill-gotten booty poppers. So thank you first to our overactive sagers, Dana, Jeremy, Dylan, Jen, Dylan, Jerry, Lindsay, James, Bob, we had a baby, it's a boy, Zyra, Shastin, Claire, Trista, Stephanie, Darren, Corbin's mom, Heather, Armando, Samantha, Sally, Annie, and Aaron, Dallas, Jalisa, Brianna, Heather, and Danielle. And we would be remiss to not thank our ill-gotten booty poppers, pirate lovers. We have Brianna, Aubrey, Koala, Ignacio, Aaron, Molly, Laura, Bill, Amanda, Sarah, Kim, Rhiannon, Caitlin, Bridget, Marina, Marina, Jenna, Anthony, Liz, and Nani. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I'll start. Please do. This is from Dylan. It's called One of My Many Experiences Behind the Redwood Curtain. Hello, ladies. My name is Dylan. I'm a new listener of yours. Just discovered you guys a couple weeks ago after my shift at work got changed to the graveyard shift. Spooky. What better way to pass the time than listening to a creepy podcast in a big building all by myself until the early hours of the morning? There's nothing better braver than me. So I live in Humble County, California. Humble is an interesting place to live. Unlike the rest of California, we are under a thick blanket of fog and rain most of the time, as well as being surrounded by giant redwood trees and mountains referred to as the Redwood Curtain. It's our own little private rainforest here on the Lost Coast. It truly is a beautiful place filled with wildlife and magnificent rivers and hidden waterfalls and never-ending hiking trails. But unfortunately, it's got a dark side. And I'm not talking about that ridiculous Murder Mountain docuseries on Netflix. They embellished the hell out of that. (laughs) I haven't seen that, but now I have to watch it. Yeah, me neither. An average of 717 people per 100,000 go missing in Humboldt County every year, giving it the highest per capita missing persons rate in the state. Oh my gosh. And that's not counting the ones found dead. By contrast, per 100,000, California sees 384 missing persons cases on an annual basis. So that's like double just for their county. Okay, but still, this is a lot of missing people. There's so many. One of my favorite theories, however, is that Humboldt is cursed. I know it sounds silly, but the slaughter of nearly an entire tribe of Native Americans that took place here back in 1860, known as the Woodley Island Massacre, might make it sound a little less silly. But that's a story for a different time. Growing up here, you'll hear all kinds of local legends and ghost stories. Everything from ghosts, witches, satanic cults, sacrifices at Devil's Playground. Oh my god! We've heard of that. Yes. (laughs) Um, Someone someone's gonna do an episode about that (laughs) maybe i'm just excited i'm like i know that place (laughs) okay uh sacrifices at devil's playground which is a local abandoned lumber mill that actually got demolished a couple years back 
There are tunnels under the city that form a giant pentagram and local native myths and monsters to shapeshifters and vampires. Yeah, I'm not joking. Even vampires. I have had many supernatural experiences here and I promise you I am not the only one. There is something about this place. You'd have to be here to feel it, to really comprehend what I can't necessarily put into words. There is a heaviness here. Anyway, on to one of the experiences I'm sharing with you guys today. So one of our local legends we have here is a legend of Chemos. Now, Chemos is a local native legend of a demon serpent that dwells in the Trinity River. It is said that every year he claims at least three lives. And the scary part is that really at least three people die in that river every year or are swept under and their bodies are never found. Supposedly, he creates an undertone in the river and drags you down into his mouth. Whoa. Cut to the chase. A couple years ago, I was 24 and it was summer and the guys wanted to hit the river. So we packed up the car and we set out through the windy mountain roads. Once you get to the curtain elevation on the mountains and start going inland away from the coast, the sky clears up and it actually gets pretty hot. We got to the river spot that my friend Casey recommended and it was so beautiful. The trees were so tall on the cliff sides and it was like they were splitting the sky and the sky was as clear as ever. Though the water was so dark, it may as well have been black. So we crack open a few beers, we build a fire and we cook some hot dogs. After we ate, we decided it was time for a swim. And keep in mind, we all know the dangers of the river, and we are all familiar with the local legends. But three people had already been claimed by the river that year. That would, to me, I'd be like, hell no, am I going in? Yeah, no. And to humble county folk, that seemed like a solid enough reason not to stress. Lots of superstitious people here. (laughs) So my friend Nick goes in first, and he edges his way to the shorter part of the cliff and leaps off into the water. Everybody follows after him except Casey. Nope. Casey decides to jump from the very top. I watch him fall into the water and then finally pop back up. He called to me telling me to jump from that spot. And I didn't want to, but we're guys and, you know, stupid. So I did. I hit the frigid water below and began to plummet deeper and deeper. At least that's what it felt like. After I had decided it had been too long to be underwater, I opened my eyes to try to get a grip of where I was. But the water was black. Instantly, panic began to set in. I kicked my legs to try to propel myself up, if up was really where I was going. I squeezed my eyes shut and I continued to kick until I kicked something. It didn't feel right. I would have expected maybe a rock or sand or gravel, but no, this thing I kicked was huge and it was sleek. It was hard, but not like a stone. And I opened my eyes again and I saw the sun shimmering through the surface of the river. I glanced below me at what I kicked on the way up and I saw the sun reflecting on what looked like two big iridescent eyes. I flipped the fuck out and thrashed my way to the surface. Once I made it out, I hightailed it right the hell off of that mountain. The guys were freaked out, not understanding what had happened, but I told them to get in the car and that we were leaving. (laughs) That night and almost every following night for two months, I had a reoccurring dream slash nightmare. In the dream, I would be underwater. There was no surface, there was no bottom, just a cavernous, never-ending realm of water. Though I wasn't alone, lucky me, there would be the shape of hundreds, if not thousands of other people floating aimlessly within the confines of this strange watery dimension. I could never make out their faces, I could never get close enough. One thing was for certain though, they were all dead, and I wasn't. (gasps) Oh my gosh. This wore on me and began 
dramatically affecting my sleep, which in turn affected my work ethic. At this point, I was feeling hopeless and constantly in a bad place. I feel like I may have been open to something because things started happening around the house. Small things at first, cabinets opening and closing by themselves, things going missing and then popping up in random places. My girlfriend at the time began to even say that she was experiencing things in the house. And she finally stopped staying over when she woke up in the middle of the night and felt like she was being constricted over her whole body. No. I suggested the possibility of sleep paralysis, but she said she'd experienced that before and swore up and down that this was not the case. Her words were literally, it felt like I was being squeezed to death by a snake or something. (gasps) Keep in mind, I hadn't shared any of the chemo stuff with her. Nothing about the river or anything like that. Just the strange dreams and the weird stuff happening in the house. The last time I had the dream was enough. It was the same as usual. Me the water world, and thousands of dead people floating around waiting for nothing. But this time, something was different. There was motion in the water, fast but heavy, and I searched in the dream looking for the intruder when I came face to face with Chemos. The impossibly large, dark serpent coiled around the water, weaving in between the floating corpses until his eyes were once again set on me. No. His mouth began to open, and when it did, pale human (gasps) fingers began to peek out and twist their way through. No. The jaws would open more, and this time the arm began to shove their way out of the throat of the snake until dozens upon dozens of dead, pale human arms reached from unhinged jaws of chemos, and they reached out for me, and I woke up. That was the last straw. I was done. So I spoke to a family friend who is a self-proclaimed medicine woman of one of our local tribes, and I told her everything about that day at the river and the haunting dreams that followed. She didn't give me any information. She didn't tell me what was happening or if I lost my mind. She said only to go back to the river, take a rock of my choice from the riverbank, and bring it back to her. That day, I did just that. And I'm not sure what else to say. She didn't do any crazy witchy woo (laughs) stuff or anything. She just took the rock and told me it would all be good. And I never had that dream again. Can't say I'll be swimming in the Trinity River again anytime soon. But hey, that's just kind of life behind the Redwood Curtain. Stay spooky and see you guys on the other side. Dylan. That's just life behind the Redwood Curtain. Just almost getting swallowed by a demon snake in the water. That is horrifying. And he is, it's like the idea of him escaping death and death wanting him back. Yes. Yes. And it's like he was the only one to escape. And so now he was being tormented because this demon was like, how dare you escape? You were supposed to stay down in the water with me. Oh, I can't even imagine the fear of hitting something and then not being able to see where you are and freaking out and then later looking down and seeing this giant Mm. big eye creature. At first I was like, oh, maybe he hit a catfish, but like. Uh, a little different. It's a little different. Yeah, a little different. A little different. Yeah. Also, his poor girlfriend feeling like a snake was like slithering and that's creepy. Have she I ever? Didn't, she didn't know, and she felt like that. I know. Have I ever told you the story about my science teacher in high school? She was our anatomy teacher, and she told us one day that her best friend had called her before school started, and that her best friend found her snake, her pet snake stretched out in bed next to her yes you did tell me this did i say it on the podcast i don't know i think so that's okay you can tell it again it was so long ago and so this woman kept finding her snake stretched out alongside her sleeping body and finally she asks her vet like what's happening and the vet says it's measuring to see if it's long enough to eat you 
<laughs> that stuff happens all the time, I feel like. It's yeah. so creepy. That's why I would so never, never have a pet snake. No. No, thanks. But it's just so wild, too, that this river has taken so many people's lives and yet people still go swimming there. Like multiple right. deaths. And not to mention, and that's just the river. The average number of people is 717 people per 100,000 go missing in Humboldt County each year. That is a lot. That is a lot. Where? Where do they go missing to? I guess we don't know because they're missing. Maybe the bottom of that river. Oh, scary. What if at night this like demon serpent creature comes out of the water and gets lost hikers or people that are just there a little too far into the nighttime? I also, I mean, I bet. I also wonder if Hemos can send out human, like he has hands reaching out of his mouth in Dylan's dream. I wonder if that's like a real thing that Chemo sends humans out to go get victims. Oh, man. Creepy. So creepy. Oh, my God. And those nightmares are terrorizing. Yes. All right. Well, what do you have? Okay. So this is from Sarah. And she says, episode 80, firsthand Bodhi experience, which you covered. Yes. The curse of Bodhi. Mm -hmm. She goes, hey, gals. I was listening to episode 80. I put a spell on you and am proud to admit that I got way too excited when I heard the curse about Bodhi. Well, let me say about the question about staging the town. The answer is half yes and half no. I just read a book about a husband and a wife that were one of the first rangers to live at the park. This wife, by the way, was pregnant while being a ranger at the park and raised their daughter there as well. I mean, what a badass. So to answer your question, the wife had staged the classroom as well as wrote the lesson on the chalkboard. She also staged some of the furniture in the houses, but all of the items were from the town. So even though it was staged, all the desks, books, tables, beds, etc. were from the town. Either way, it's super cool and creepy, especially when you're looking through the window in the classroom and it literally looks like a real life snapshot of what the classroom would have looked like. So neither my family nor I have taken anything from the park for the simple reason of the Bodhi curse. There are also plaques that state not to take anything from the park. They label the park that it is in a rested state of decay, which means they try to maintain the house's buildings, but if they fall apart, they will not rebuild them. But just because we didn't take anything doesn't mean that we didn't have multiple experiences at the park. The first experience was in the cemetery. My aunt had this super fancy camera and attempted multiple times to take pictures of headstones, including the Angel of Bodhi headstone. And her camera would not work. I mean, period. It wouldn't take pictures of anything. The sky, a flower, nothing. But the moment she stepped out of the cemetery gate, the camera magically started working. We were all creeped out for sure. The second experience was when I was looking through the when I was looking in through the windows of the hotel. You can see into the saloon and I'm guessing there were guest rooms on the ground floor and as I'm looking in through the window into a guest room, I feel a cold swipe/breeze. That's the best way I could describe it. It goes across the back of my neck under my hair. I quickly turn around to see if it was maybe my sister messing with me and nope, I was all by myself. I went to look back in through that window and I just got the weirdest feeling as if I had interrupted something. You kind of get that vibe when you're walking through the whole park and are peering into these buildings and houses. It's honestly such a cool place to visit if anyone takes a trip up to Mammoth Mountain, California during the spring, summer, or fall. I highly suggest going. Thanks for reading. You two are really so kind and smart and my six-year-old daughter loves when I listen to you guys in the car. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the other side. Whisper voice. Sarah gosh well that's so cute i love that her six-year-old is like woohoo ghost story i love when people say they listen with their kids oh my god it's the best but that's so interesting that there are multiple experiences that she had at bodhi 
I know. The camera thing is one of those things that happens everywhere. And it's so interesting. Yeah. And it also just, I just love her description of it feels like you're interrupting something because that's how Bodhi's supposed to be. It's like all of these spirits that are protecting this one spot and are haunting this one location. And Bodhi's not big at all. And it makes sense that they'd be like, you know, going about their lives and doing stuff. And then someone else comes along and peers in the in the windows and you do feel like you're walking in and you're intruding on something that you weren't supposed to be a part of. Totally. I like the idea of it being this town that still lives. It's kind of sweet, but it and it's weird because you do peer in through the windows. Like that's the only thing. So we are peering into someone else's life. Yeah. It's so wild. It's creepy. It's spooky. And it's like, I mean, I guess that's kind of what ghosts sometimes do to us. That's true. We're the opposite now, though, at Bodhi. Yeah, it's the opposite. And I mean, like, we built my house. So it's not like my family moved into a house where other people had lived and we're now, like, kind of intruding on the ghost land. Like, they're coming and creeping on us. Totally. But at Bodhi, we creep on all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. All right, what's next? Okay. This is called... Don't sleepwalk in an abandoned hospital. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's so scary. (laughs) I know. It's so creepy. It's from Paget. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I finally started listening to your podcast, and I just finished episode nine, the one about haunted hospitals, which, which reminded me that I had a super freaky experience in an abandoned hospital in 2015. So I was studying abroad in Sweden, and we would travel to a new city every few weeks. We started up north, way past the Arctic Circle, in a tiny town of 200 called Jokmuk. They're famous for their winter market. Think oh. reindeer races, handmade crafts, and lots of fur hats. Honestly, that sounds amazing. I really want to go to a Christmas market. So amazing. Where for two weeks, the town is flooded with thousands of people. And due to the spike in hostel prices for the market, my college group of 15 was relocated to a gun club down the road yes a literal shooting range where we slept on cots on the floor for a week the gun club was attached to an abandoned hospital and this was where shit really got crazy i used to sleepwalk when i was younger mostly due to anxiety of my parents splitting up and living in a new place but for over 10 years i hadn't had an episode so going to jokmuk sweden i never would have guessed that i would find myself awake in an instant panic in an empty hospital room that still looked pristine and in use, alone, in the middle of the night. The abandoned hospital attached to the gun club was quite a hike from my cot, yet I somehow got out of bed and I walked through the kitchen, the bathrooms, the sauna, this is Sweden after all, (laughs) and through double doors into a long hallway. A few lights flickered on and off, and as I tried to gather where the hell I was and how I got into this hospital room, I remember walking in a panic down the hallway, trying to open doors to find them all locked. And I really didn't find an unlocked door forever. I honestly felt like it was a scary movie when you get so scared that you can't scream and you fumble to do basic shit like opening the doors and everything starts spinning. And I felt like I was trapped in a living nightmare. And then... This Australian woman came out of nowhere in an abandoned hospital and asked if I was okay. She walked with me towards the double doors as if they were there all along, stuttering. I didn't know if she was real or if she was a ghost and if I was dreaming or if I was awake. And I might add our group was the only one staying at the gun club that night. So somehow I made it back 
but to this day, I have no clue how I got into the hospital and why I couldn't unlock any of the other doors to get out until I ran into the Australian lady. The next day when I told everyone about my little journey next door, (laughs) I went to show them where the entrance to the hospital was, but I couldn't find what I had seen the night before ever again. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed my little story. Here's a picture of my sweet baby angel kitty, Penelope. Oh, To cleanse your palates. Love your podcast, and I'm trying to catch up so I can listen in real time to all of the spooky stories. Hmm. Pichet. Wow. Okay. I mean, worst place to sleepwalk. It's so cute. You you like Sorry, I'm looking at the cat. The story, the experience is not cute. That is so terrifying. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, for some reason, continuously zooming in, and now I'm on the kitty nose. On the little kitty nose. So cute. I know. Good Thank goodness she sent Penelope because that story is so <laughs> scary. I can't even imagine the panic and fear of like being in complete darkness, realizing that you're in the abandoned hospital and trying desperately to get out and being, I think, I don't even know if I would realize that it was sleepwalking. I think I would have concluded that someone had put me there and trapped me there and that I was in some weird like, I don't know, like, would you like to play a game? Oh, Saw? No. Yeah. Ooh. That's horrible. I'm glad that that wasn't. I'm glad that was not the case. Thank God. And then, who do you think the Australian lady is? They were alone, staying there. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea. And they were in Sweden. I mean, not that Australian people can't be in Sweden, but the ghost of an Australian woman. I don't know. Maybe she worked in the hospital. I do like that she helped her, though. I know. As as people should in hospitals, it should be a helping environment. If you find anyone wandering and scared, as long as they're not threatening you, and if they're asking for help, you should help them. Help them out a little bit. Be good and kind to people. Do things that you would want someone to do for you. I don't think okay, what do you have? That I have, okay, one more story from, this is from Lexi. Okay, it's called Goatman's Bridge and a Voodoo Surprise. Hello, my lovely lovely ghostesses. I was listening to the most recent episode, and after hearing the story of Old Alton Bridge, I knew I had to write into y'all. I live around 30 minutes from Denton, Texas, and one summer, myself and a group of friends decided to make a trip to Goatman's Bridge late one night to see if we could have any spooky experiences. While none of us felt anything on the bridge itself, we did venture into the woods nearby the site of the town of Old Alton. And we came across one of the occult circles slash altars you mentioned in the episode. I'm talking animal skulls, burned down candles, and even a voodoo doll sitting in the middle of the circle. One of the guys in our group, trying to show off and look cool in front of the rest of us, decided to pick up the doll. And when I told him he shouldn't mess with the circle, he threw the doll in my face. What? No, 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 no. I was furious and immediately got the hell out of Dodge, drove home, saged, prayed, and did generally everything I could think of to cleanse myself of whatever bad energy might have been attached, might have attached itself to me. Thankfully, I never had any dark experiences that I felt were related to that night. Maybe the spirits in the area knew it wasn't my fault. Anyway, thanks so much for all of your hard work and for creating this safe space for all of the spooky and macabre interests. TGOG is the highlight of my week, and I've enjoyed seeing this podcast grow into something so many people can share an interest in. Keep up the amazing work and see you on the other side, Lexi. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. People are so dumb. Like, don't throw a voodoo doll. Don't. Don't. Unbelievable. 
think you're acting cool. Don't mess with this shit. Just I mean, stop. I'm glad you left. I would be I would be livid. And if I were the spirit, I'd be like, I don't want to mess with her because she's being the one that's respectful. Right. Wouldn't you think? I wonder if he had any experiences because he's the one who touched the voodoo doll. Although typically, I will say, voodoo dolls typically aren't like haunted entities. They're in used to hurt someone else. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if maybe by moving it out of the circle, it could have helped the person that the spell was targeted to. Maybe. I don't know. I really wonder what the result is. Like, we don't have the, the answer, like the end. No, nope. we don't know the end. We just know that Lexi's okay and that's what matters. Yeah, that's what matters because she made a smart and educated decision, which is to move away to from circles and voodoo dolls and people trying to abuse the spiritual world yeah yeah that is true good for her good for her also good for you guys for being so haunted and i know and if you want to hear your story on the encounters episodes or on our regular episodes you should email us your experiences at two two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com and there are a variety of ways to support our podcast one of them is to rate and review on itunes another is to do word of mouth Another is to join our Patreon, and another is to represent by wearing some merch. And also come to our live shows. This episode comes out like four days before our live show in Nashville. So if you haven't bought your tickets yet, please do. We're going to be at Zany's Comedy Club on Saturday, June 16th. And then we'll also be in New York on July 14th at Gotham Comedy Club. And And we will... See you, See you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Very spooky.